Kindled Podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our donors. If you want to join them in making this show possible, visit kindledpodcast.com slash give. Welcome back to another episode of Kindled Podcast, a show about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. I'm your host, Haley Williams. Join me as I talk with women just like you. They are entrepreneurs, corporate employees, stay-at-home moms, and everything in between. We chat about work, mom life, and how God's grace is transforming us through our unique and beautiful stories. Love for God and perseverance for our assignments is kindled in our hearts as we look to Him and preach the gospel to ourselves and each other. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 57 of Kindled. I am your host, Haley Williams. And this week, I have a really awesome conversation for you with three women, Kristen, Kendra, and Julie, who make up the Ruth experience. These ladies are three friends whose lives are intertwined as writers, speakers, wives, moms, and world changers. They believe in the immense power of authentic community and of intentional living one's faith out loud through simple acts of kindness. Now, I believe that this episode is going to have you nodding your head and saying yes out loud because the Ruth experience and I talk about how much more important what God says about us is than how we feel about ourselves. They share how when we stand on the promises of God that say that he loves us and is for us, from that place, we can pour out so much more generously and effectively into the lives of those around us, giving to others from that place of generosity because we have received so much. This conversation is just going to really encourage you and boost you up on this Monday. If you are listening on a Monday, as a reminder, I am still trying to drum up ratings and reviews on iTunes so that I can get to 100 ratings and reviews by May 1st. And I want to read a recent review that someone left. Mo Leffler says, so relatable, nice podcast, feels sincere, and I find myself relating all the time. Thanks, Mo. Love is Rising said, this podcast is sincere, thoughtful, and refreshing. Love the guests she has on and the content of their message. Thank you. Love is Rising. You guys, if you have not left a rating and review on iTunes yet, I would ask you kindly to please go do that. It only takes about 60 seconds to leave a rating and review, and it helps me out so much with getting the podcast into the hands and the ears of more women just like you. Okay, so before I get to my conversation with the Ruth experience today, I want to share with you the two sponsors who are making this episode possible. Those sponsors are PrepDish and Crew & Co., Prep Dish is a meal planning service that helps you save time and be efficient in the kitchen, something every mom needs desperately, right? You can choose from gluten-free, paleo, and keto options to receive stress-free and tasty meals every single week. And the special thing about Prep Dish is that you're not just making meals every single night. You are prepping all of your meals on one day. So for instance, on Sunday afternoon, you prep all the meals. And then during the week, you can just go to your stash and pick what you want to eat. Now, I know I don't have to tell you, if you are a busy mom, not having to figure out what's for dinner every night of the week is a game changer. Um, it just simplifies your week and makes it so much less stressful. Let Prep Dish do the planning for you with prep ahead instructions and a grocery list. And listen to your favorite podcast while you prep your meals for the week. Go to prepdish.com slash kindled to get a two-week free trial. You'll get to hear about Crew & Co. a little bit later on. 
And now for my conversation with the Ruth experience. All right. So today on Kindled, I am talking with three ladies, Julie, Kendra, and Kristen of the Ruth experience. Hey guys, welcome to Kindled. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. So I would love for you, Kendra, to just kind of introduce the Ruth experience and what you guys are all about and tell us a little bit about your story before we jump into your individual stories. Sure. So the Ruth experience started probably about seven years ago. Um, The three of us have been, um, Kristen and I are actually sisters and Julie has been a good friend of ours for many, many years. And we just felt compelled to start writing together. And so we started our writing actually our first book seven years ago, and it was titled The Ruth Experience. And it followed the story of Ruth and Naomi in the Bible and brought in modern day women's testimonies because part of what our goal was to really allow women to kind of see how the Bible relates to today and it relates to our lives today. And it's not just these stories from the past, but that there's a relevancy for us today. And so we wrote the Ruth experience, hoping that it would create some community among women. And then we started an online blog and then we started social media accounts and things. And we found that even online women were looking for community. And so the Ruth experience has continued on. We've, we've kept that name as far as our social media and our blog. Um, we've written several books since then, but the Ruth experience is really the idea of women coming together and doing life together, sharing life together, walking with one another through all the ups and downs and the joys and the trials of life. And so that was our hope in starting and even continuing the Ruth experience is that it would be an encouragement to women in real life and then also through social media online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the offline, I mean, in the real life started first, right? You, you guys started meeting in your homes. Is that, can you tell us a little more about what that looked like? Or, yes, and and you're still doing we, that? We, yes and no, we started, this was kind of before social media was even really a big thing. We started doing Bible studies in our homes and then we started uh, writing the Bible studies ourselves, Julie and I did. And so for us, it, it kind of grew out of that. We saw the community that would happen when women sat together and were honest about their lives and their struggles and their marriages and their kids. And and we would um, support one another through that. And so we started actually writing Bible studies. Oh goodness. I want to say almost 15 years ago that we would just utilize in our homes and we saw the value in that. And so the Ruth experience really kind of came out of that and us wanting to bring that experience to more women. We do still do some meeting in, in our homes, but it has kind of changed and grown over the years. And it's changed with the types of women that we kind of bring into our circles now. So God, this is Julie. God is interesting because he starts you in one place and then he just sort of starts, he sends you out. Mm -hmm. So he sends you out into different groups. He sends you out into different communities. Um, We no longer live in the same community. And so we have very different circles, but we come back to kind of this inner sacred circle at the same time. So we, we go out into a lot of very different places, but then we come back together. So it's this going out and coming back, going out and coming back that we find ourselves in now. That was different 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So did you guys actually all start out in the same, when you say community, do you mean neighborhood or church community or Bible study? So Kendra and Kristen, this is Julie, Kendra and Kristen's older sister, Katrina, 
um, I'm the oldest of the group and Katrina was my age. She's the one that started. Um, she invited us, she invited me into a Bible study and her sisters were along for the ride because they're her sisters and they were all in the same community. And there was a group of five or six of us that would meet around Katrina's kitchen table. For years, young 20 year olds, I mean, new careers, new to the community, no babies yet. Not all of us were married. And so that's where we started. That was our first community was a Bible study around Katrina's kitchen table. She passed away at 28. She had cancer, had fought cancer for several years. Gosh. But that's our legacy coming out of, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry. I cry every time. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's a good thing. You know, that's her legacy, part of our legacy that we carry everywhere we go is Katrina being the first woman to invite us in Mm. and create a community for us. And so that's part of what we do for other women Mm. is actively befriend, actively invite in. And that's part of living generously is opening your lives, opening your house and allowing other people to journey alongside you. And so that's a really big part of who we are from the very, very beginning. Yeah. Do you feel like that, you know, that loss kind of, motivated you forward in this journey that you're on obviously together like was that a I mean I would imagine that had to be just a very I mean obviously difficult but um formative time for you guys as friends you know to be like what are we going to do with this what do we do with this experience and and this loss yes absolutely I think it helped to just make us more honest in the way that we approached one another and in the way that we approached other women. I think it brought us to a new level of not only community with one another, but wanting, but the desire in us to um, bring that same kind of community to other people who may be not just experiencing loss, but just, just sadness or pain or heartache. It made us kind of want to get rid of the facade of, you know, everything's always okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that people are craving that. They're looking for people who will be real and honest. And I think that that really kind of pushed us in that direction to know, you know, life is short and we only get to do this once. And so let's make it count. Let's, mm-hmm. let's connect. Let's meet with other people and just made us much more sincere, I think, yeah. going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is important to note because, you know, as women, like we obviously have so many roles that we're playing and so many expectations on us from our families and our work and the, you know, they're, they're good roles, they're good expectations, but it can so easily drive you to kind of an isolation and like being, feeling alone, living alone, you know, even in the midst of a busy, loud household, you can be very alone and feel like you are kind of the only one. And, and the the challenging thing for me has been just, that is a reality, but I also am, you know, always challenged when I do feel that nudge to like move forward, join a community, get in a small group, start this or that, that it's like, but the reality is like, I can't do it all. And so how, sometimes we can move forward into those places out of obligation or feeling like I should be doing this. I don't really have time for this, or I don't really want this right now, but I, I know that it's important. And you just said it helped you be genuine. So that changes everything, like your motivation, your heart reasoning, 
really does change how you move forward into community. How did you guys see that kind of work out? Or I mean, did you come from, did you ever have times like that where you weren't really pursuing community because you were like, I'm in self, I'm survival mode. Like I can't, I don't have anything extra for people. And then how did you, like, what did you see? What changes did you see in your heart and your life that transitioned you into a different place? This is Julie. I'll speak to that for just a minute because I practiced law for 15 years before I made a career switch. And so there were definitely seasons, especially when children are really little. Mm -hmm. This is the thing. We go through seasons of life and there are going to be some seasons that are just more difficult Mm -hmm. than others when it comes to having lots of extracurricular activities even in building community. I mean, there's just seasons of that. So have some grace for yourself. If you're a new mom with a newborn and an 18 month old, Mm -hmm. give yourself grace. It comes around in a different way. And we don't want to say, oh, just don't do anything because life is so short and there is always something that we can be doing to reach out to people around us. And we'll talk a little bit about that because Mm -hmm. there's a feeling of ourselves when we're pouring out that God's, that God does, his economy is upside down and backwards. And so Mm. we don't want to say totally let go of that, but there are definitely seasons of life where you can just do what you do and that's all you can do. And that's okay Mm -hmm. because it does come back around. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. So I would love to kind of get into our topic that we hinted at earlier, this idea of living generously what does that mean to you guys? Because you talk about that and I know you're, you wrote a book that's all about kindness and acts of kindness. And, and I think that dovetails a lot with this, the idea of living generously. But what does that look like in your own life? What does that mean to you? I guess, first of all, what does that mean to you? And then what does it look like in your own life? Sure. This is Kendra. Mm-hmm. So for us, this idea of living generously is really kind of a mindset shift. It's not just about thinking about how do I how do I act this out in my life? But it's really kind of, how do I have a mindset towards the world and the people around me to be generous towards them? And it came out of, as you said, we had our first um, published book with our, with our traditional publisher was 365 Days of Daily Acts of Kindness. Mm-hmm. And really, when we started doing kind acts every day, that is what sort of opened up conversations among the three of us and gave us a better picture of, okay, but what does it look like to approach the, the world with a generous mindset beyond just kind acts? Kind acts are great, and we start there, and we still do kind acts today, but it's really kind of opened up this idea of having a complete mindset of generosity. And we started to notice it because as we looked at scripture and we started to realize, man, God really has a generous mindset towards us in the in the things that he brings to us. And so then how do we turn that outward to have a generous mindset towards other people? So it started with kind acts, but it really has shifted where now we just sort of approach all of life in the places that we go and the people that we see in our neighborhoods, in our schools, um, with our families and with our friends and people even who are strangers. Like how do we approach people with having a generous mindset? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like when you talk about kind acts, that can sound, I mean, it sounds like a no brainer, right? So like, obviously we should be kind or obviously as Christians, that's our call. But when I think about it, I mean, that's not how I approach my days. I'm not like, how can I make a difference for someone? Or how can I think about others who I know are having a hard time, whether it's 
you know, a parenting scenario or a pregnancy or a fertility issue or a neighbor whose husband is not getting paid because of the shutdown. Like there are all of these things happening around me that I know of and I'm aware of, but I don't necessarily approach my life or my day with a thought towards like how I can, you know, how I can bless those people or be kind. Can you kind of talk about what that shift actually looks like? Like, do you, how do you do that? Because I think that that is, if that was your first step, that would probably be someone else's first step to the idea of living generously. Right. Because like, how can you really talk about living generously if you're not even, you know, sacrificing like two minutes to text a friend or call them and see how they're doing. Right. I mean, to me, that seems like maybe the first step. I don't know if you would disagree, but it it does feel like a natural, you know, sacrifice, I guess. So this is Julie. It really comes down to being intentional. If you are not intentional about it, if you just sort of are flowing through the days, it's not going to happen. And it becomes practice and then it becomes habit. So you really have to start out intentionally. And that means starting your day with a prayer of what you're going to do that is specifically generous or specifically kind. You can start, start small, start kind. And what we would do we started, we originally started out doing it during Advent leading up to Christmas. So the 25 days roughly before Christmas, we were looking for kind acts to do with our kids. And then it just started to snowball from there. But what we found was if we were intentional and sat down and made lists, just like today we're going to do this, tomorrow we're going to do that. <clears throat> Always keeping it open for God to intervene and change our mind or change our list. It gave us a plan. So, you know, I am going to buy a coffee and bring it to a friend today. But if God interrupts that, I'm going to follow along with his leading and I'm going to do that new thing. But it took away the stress of feeling like I didn't have anything. And it also allowed me to sit down and really say, okay, Lord, who do you want me to bless? And and what should that look like? And it starts small. It does not have to be... We we have this idea that changing the world requires huge, huge over-the-top actions. And then we feel defeated because we can't do it. And then we don't do it. Bake some cookies and take them to your neighbor. Mm. Send a girlfriend a card in the mail via snail mail. Buy somebody a coffee. Just little things. Start there and then build on that. What happens is you start to see the world in a different way. You really start to open your eyes and look around and say, oh, that person could use a little help with a meal, right? Like new mom could use an extra meal to feed her kids. Somebody at school could use Um, a card of encouragement. And just that's what we did. And that's really, I think, where changing the world um, comes into play is in the small things and noticing people around us. Yeah. And what I love about that, that you hinted at earlier was just the, it's like you said, the the crazy economy that God has created, because he's the designer of all this, is that Yes, people do need help and us being aware and mindful of that and actually going in and helping them does bless them. But in a, you know, as we all know from experience, it actually often blesses us way more than it blesses them. And I just love that he is so creative that that's how he designed it to be. Cause that's not an accident. That isn't just chance that, you know, that rule of reality, like that, that fact that that's true is because he designed it to be that way. And it's just such a beautiful picture of his generosity that in giving we would receive, like, I mean, that does, that isn't even necessary. He could have just said, give because you should, because I gave to you. Right. But he actually blesses us exponentially more by what we receive through that, which is so cool. I'm sure you guys have seen countless examples of that in your own lives. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the things that spurs you on. Once you start doing it, you realize what you are getting in return oftentimes. I think it, like you were talking about how God gives to us. One of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs eleven twenty five, that says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I think that's the promise of God that sometimes we forget as believers, we think we're just doing things for others. And we don't realize that God in, like you said, in God's economy, oftentimes he brings things back to us that we are needing. And it's through that pouring out um, we talked earlier about my our sister Katrina passing away at 28. And after she died, we started as a family and as good friends of fund in her name. <clears throat> we raised money for 10 years and we gave it away to girls who wanted to go to camp. And we gave money to women who were caught in human trafficking or in um, abusive situations. We did all of these different things. But what we found through that was that God brought healing to us. He brought comfort to us. He brought joy back to us through that process of pouring out and walking alongside other people who were hurting. And it's it's crazy to think that, it, and it doesn't make sense until you actually start doing it and you start noticing how God brings back to us most what we're needing, oftentimes when we're pouring out to others. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And, and I... Th- think that kind of segues us into, you know, something that we had discussed previously that we wanted to talk about, which is this general mood and attitude and belief in in culture today that says the opposite. Stop pouring out, take care of yourself, you do you, avoid toxic people, self-care, self-love, love yourself more, you are enough. I mean, it's just, it's all lumped in together with, and and I think it all is stemming from the same lie that we saw in the garden of Eden, right? Mm -hmm. Like that you, you are the most important person here. Like you actually know better what you believe and what is um, what Satan told Eve, essentially that like, you're going to have more if you trust yourself, believe what I'm telling you, not what God told you. He doesn't actually have your best in mind. And that's exactly what the world is telling us today. Like God doesn't have your best in mind when he says, pour out, like you need to, you need to really protect yourself, girl. You need to like, just love yourself more. And, and while like there are, you know, there are aspects of what that, what that message says, like if you Google self-love or self-care, it's going to tell you, here's what that means. It means, you know, practice deep breathing, go to the gym, eat, fuel your body well, rest, sleep, you know, all of those things. It's like, yeah, those are all fine and good. I don't have a debate again. I'm not going to argue that any of those things are necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but it's the place that they're coming from as the, the lie is that this is what will fill you, right? The lie is that like more of pouring into yourself and holding back from others is how to be complete or how to be happier, how to be healthier as a woman in 2019. What have you guys, what's your reaction to that, that message that we're hearing in culture? Right. I, I think you, I think you're spot on. We're all over here nodding agreement <laughs> at everything you're saying. Yes. I think, and I think part of the lie is that we don't always as believers have a good understanding of of God's character and God's heart towards us because it's not always so much. And, and like you said, there's nothing wrong with, with exercise and eating, right? And we all do right. these kinds of things and they are good for us. And we need to do those things to take care of ourselves. Yeah. But it's not so much about 
always understanding how much I need to love myself. It's understanding that God loves me and it's understanding God's love towards me. And when I, when I can fully embrace and understand that God has been generous towards me, that he's generous in his love and his forgiveness, in the fact that he is consistent and he is going to be there for me and he is a loving father. When I see that he has given me love and he has given me value, it's out of that place that I then turn around and go, okay, when I look at the world around me and the people that are in it, I then also see them as made in the image of God. And Mm so, yeah, it's like you said, we need to kind of pull back and go, but wait, what does God say? What does God say about me? Um, How does God feel about me? It's not so much about how I feel necessarily always about myself, Yeah, but I can stand on the promises of God. And it's from that place that we then pour out and give out to others. Yeah. Okay, I know you guys are loving the conversation that I'm having with Kristen, Kendra, and Julie, and that is why I'm going to tell you about my newest favorite find online, Crew & Co. You guys, have you seen Crew & Co. products? If not, you must go to their Instagram right now and check it out. Just go on Instagram and search Crew & Co., and you will see what I'm talking about here. Crew & Co. creates colorful tools that bring scripture into your homes and into the hands of each member of is when it, what it all boils down to. I have had more fun and more adventure and found more satisfaction in life than I have in anything else that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for the meaning or the purpose or the why you're here, is it important to take care of ourselves? Absolutely. But that's not the why we're here. You will not be satisfied with that. You will be satisfied when you are actively loving people around you the way God called you to. And that's going to look different for each of us. It's Mm -hmm. going to look different in different seasons. Yeah. Brand new mom is going to look different than mom of teenagers versus mom of, you know, empty nest mom. That's going to look different in different times. But when we just give up or retire or stop and just think we're going to do our own thing and kind of glide off, that's when we die inside. That's when we decline it's when you're actively on mission with God that you thrive. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, and we talked about, excuse me, the idea of generosity as a mindset too. And the way I like to think about it is so often our culture really plays into the idea of scarcity, right? That we, <laughs> we need more, we don't, we don't have enough, that kind of thing. And I think that God really wants us to see that we live an abundant life and he calls us to that. And so if we can change our mindset from one of abundance to, um, rather than scarcity, we can, we can, that allows us to be generous mm-hmm. with ourselves and with our lives. Because rather than being in the pursuit of more, we understand I already have everything that I need. Yeah. Yeah. And that mindset shift is only possible if you, if you believe in and know the truth that God's love is abundant. And, and I think the funny thing is that scarcity mindset for the world is so real when all you see is the world and they're right. There is scarcity of resources. There is scarcity of love. There is scarcity of security and confidence and meaning and hope and purpose because that you're looking to, you know, yourself, you're looking to your husband, you're looking to your friends to give you those things and it, you'll never find it. And we could all attest, like there's no number of massages or manicures or pedicures that are going to make you finally be like, Oh, that was it. I finally had enough. Like (laughs) we leave that, like that awesome experience going, I can't wait till the next one. Like it's, Oh, dang it. It's over. Like, well, I, now I've got to wait a month or two months or however long until I schedule my next one. The manicure starts wearing off after only a week and maybe last two weeks. And you're never at a point where you're like, oh, it, it lasted forever. It's everything is always running out, right? Everything is, that's something my pastor says, everything is always running out except for the love of God and except for his eternal purposes. And so I think it's just funny that that we we can meet that that reality of scarcity for them with the truth. But like, like you said, that abundant life is available to us, you know, um, and like John 10, 10, he came that we would have life and have it to the full, so, yeah, I love all of that. So how how does somebody do that? I mean, how does somebody, what kind of resources might someone share? And I know that this does depend on your season. So, you know, women listening, you need to, you need to keep that at the forefront of your mind as these ladies are sharing examples. But, um, you know, how does someone actually share when they don't feel like there's anything left to give? And, and I'll give you like an example. So for me, my, we were in a small group through our church and we took a season, a break off of that small group because I think we, we both felt just like we had nothing left to give and we were leading. So we were actually, that was like kind of an, an unhealthy place to be when we felt really pulled at all ends. And there was, you know, we had just had our, our second kid. So there was some other things to contributing, but how would you look at a situation like that and say, how can, how can I continue to live generously? Even when, even when I actually, there's validity to me needing to pull back, right? Like there, there might be valid reasons to take a a break from something, but how do I not go in on myself and kind of like hunker down and kind of um, hibernate almost, I mean, here we are in the winter, but hibernate away from life that's happening and, and what God is, you know, maybe he is asking me to step away from that role, but it doesn't mean he's asking me to step away and like all together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, Julie talked about the idea of starting small. And I think for somebody who feels that sort of tension between wanting to do things and yet not having the margin for it, you know, I think all too often we think about generosity in terms of 
the things that the world tells us are generous, like mm-hmm. our finances or our time. But in my mind, it encompasses a lot more than that, right? We can be, we can still be generous in our words. We can be encouraging. We can send a text message to a friend that takes 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, we can have a generous prayer life, you know, in those in those moments that you do have, there are still opportunities to be generous that have nothing to do with necessarily your time or money. I would say, you know, my husband and I sit down every January. This is going to sound very lawyerly of me. We have a state of the household meeting, mm-hmm. um, kind of like state of the union address, only it's our house. And one of the things we have learned to do is we sit down and we write down every activity that we are in. So every volunteer organization, every single thing, everything our kids are in. And then we take a really serious look at it because often it takes a while to exit something, right? Like if you're feeling called away from something, you need to give notice. You need to give plenty of time. Mm -hmm. And we have created some margin because I have neighbors. I have people around me. I sometimes find myself going out to coffees with three people in one day because they need to talk and they need to have something to process with. And so I need in my life to have enough margin that when God sets somebody across my path, I have the ability to say, yes, come on over Friday night, have pizza with us. Let's Mm. talk about what's going on. So that's interesting because you're speaking to like this idea of not maxing out every single possible category so that you can be generous. You have to give God space to work. Mm-hmm. And I've made the mistake in the past, and I and this is not a perfect thing. Um, I was far too busy this fall. I was crazy this fall. Had said yes to far too many things. Kendra would have to talk me off the cliff periodically because I would call her and just like be crying. I was just feeling so stressed about it. And that's really what it was. I had said yes to far too many things. Mm-hmm. And so then rebalancing and saying, Lord you know, what does this look like? There are going to be busy seasons mm-hmm. when you do have a lot going on. But I, that's one thing I have learned that allows me to live very generously is to have enough margin that I can flex. Yeah. Because sometimes it's, because sometimes it's allowing somebody just space in your house mm-hmm. versus always serving within an organization or serving within your church or do it. Sometimes it's just in relationship. And somebody needs a girlfriend. And that means you're going to have to create space for them to come and sit with you in whatever. Yeah. And also remembering like that we are not God and that we can, we, you know, the, his heart in asking us to serve and to be kind and to serve others and to love others is not because he needs us to save them or he needs us to rescue them. Right. He's the rescuer. And sometimes I think that, 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 that call or, or, um, uh, conviction we may have to pull back like my husband and I did is because we are getting to an unhealthy place of thinking it is on me. Like I have to, lead these people. They need me. I am so key. I am so important to their lives. And he, he does kind of like put that check in our spirit. Like, no, you are not the key to their existence. I am. I I think he works all different ways. Maybe he doesn't always call you away from that service. He sometimes does other things, but but at least in our case, I felt that that was very much what needed to happen for us to remember our role and to, you know, be brought back to a place of uh, a right thinking about it. We, we, we save nobody, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So then as far as discernment, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but how do we discern who, like who to serve in this moment or in this day or in this week? How do we decipher between those two good things when you and your husband are looking at your list and you're like, yeah, you know, I mean, basketball is great and soccer is great, but we can't do both. So how do we know which one to do? I mean, other than your kid, maybe having a preference in that scenario, like how, how do you, how have you guys seen discernment uh, work out in your life? This is Julie. My kids are in an immersion program, so they are learning, they are learning Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And that means that we are uniquely positioned because of that particular spot we find ourselves. So when we're looking across the board at the different circles we can be involved in, inviting, visiting scholars and visiting teachers from China who are over here for a year or two years or three years into our house and into our life is something that Kendra could do, but her kids aren't learning Mandarin. So more difficult to do versus it being a very natural area in our life. And so that's a little bit of an outsized example. But what it shows is asking God, what am I uniquely called to? Or what is unique about our circumstances? You know, your neighborhood is unique to you. Your workplace is unique to you. Your hobbies are unique to you. Mm -hmm. So starting in those places you already are, that you're already existing in and saying, God, how would I use my love of, my husband's a drummer, has been playing music for 30 years. And so we find ourselves doing things within that world because it's unique to him. We're already there. Within our neighborhood, we've got people that come over and I, I watch some kids every Friday afternoon for several hours because I'm already there. They get off the school bus and come down to my house and play with my kids. Mm-hmm. That's where I start um, personally and asking God, like, where would you have me, Lord? Yeah. He's already planted me and I just have to open my eyes to it and say, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anyone else have any thoughts on that discernment? Well, and I, I have kind of learned too, as far as discerning, you know, when you talk about good things and, and there are a lot of good things that we could be doing. Like Julie said, you know, kind of starting where you are or interests or passions. But I have found that I feel like the older I get that God's kind of like, yeah, both of these are good, but, and you could pick either one. So mm-hmm. whatever you do, will you just keep this mindset of generosity? Will you just keep in mind to love me first and to love people. So no matter what, I feel like God gives us a lot more choices. There aren't always right or wrong. I feel Mm -hmm. like God just says, no matter what you pick, I'm okay with either one of these, Mm -hmm. but would you just please walk in love in that situation, whatever it is. So I, I feel like a lot of times we don't always have to worry so much. Am I making the best choice? If we're making an incorrect choice, I feel like the Holy Spirit will nudge us. Mm-hmm. Um, we can, we can trust God to do that for us, but I think oftentimes he gives us the choice and just says, um, love me and love people, no matter which one of these two you pick. Yeah. That reminds me of the verse. Uh, I was trying to find the reference, but you know, so whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. I mean, eating and drinking are both good. <laughs> and if you were like, which one should I do? God, I can only do one. Should I eat or should I drink? He's like, either one, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Like, I'm not really concerned with whether you eat or drink. I'm concerned with your heart and why are you doing it? Like you said, the motivation. And I think that I I find that over and over and over again in my own life that he cares so much about our heart 
it is not, and it's not to say that he doesn't care about sin or he doesn't care what we do. I mean, he does care. And obviously he cares greatly about sin or he wouldn't have sent Jesus. But, but when it comes to these good things and it comes to, you know, kind of apples and oranges and trying to weigh two things that are totally different. I, I do believe that what you're saying is true. And, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of debate about this in Christian circles, like whether or not there is like an exact right choice for you in every scenario or, or whether God is only predestined that you would only do one of them or whether he just already knows. I mean, we're not even getting into that today, but I do believe in my heart of hearts that that, that is what he cares most about is, is our heart because that is, you know, only God looks at the heart. It says man that man judges, you know, uh, the external. He looks at, he looks at the outside. God judges not as man judges and he sees the heart. And so how could he not be more concerned, you know, with, with our heart in that? And, and even when, like Paul says, even when Christ is preached with wrong motive, like God will still use that. Like even when we have the wrong motive, like God will still redeem. He can and does still redeem. So, so I think sometimes it has to do with us really thinking that we are more powerful than we really are, you know, that we have the capacity to kind of like ruin everything or make everything. Right. So what would your final encouragement be to the woman listening? Who's like, how, what is my first step? Like, how do I go from here and not maybe sit in that feeling of guilt or shame that I am not living this way or I'm not doing this? How do I avoid that? And, and what does it look like to kind of like take up that cross and, and follow God after his commandment of loving others and loving him? Okay. I just want to speak first to that idea of guilt and shame because the Bible says that that the Holy Spirit will convict us, but that he does not condemn us. And so if we, if anyone listening is, that's their first response is guilt and shame. I just want to release you from that. That is not from God. He does not guilt us and shame us. He convicts us, um, which is actually quite motivating to make us want to do things or to change the way we think or to change the way that we treat other people. But guilt and shame are what is going to leave us sitting in this spot. And so if we we talk all the time with women, guilt and shame is not what we're about at all. And that does not come from God. I think one of the first things you need to understand, as we've talked earlier, is just first and foremost about God's generosity towards us. Because if we have not grasped how generous he is to us, we will have a really hard time thinking generously about other people. And so first, I mean, there's scripture after scripture, if you Google it, about um, how God has been generous towards us in the way that he loves and forgives and and all of those things. And so find some encouragement first from the Lord, I think, as far as living generously. And then see if that doesn't even begin to sort of shift your mindset. Another thing that we have found that is helpful when we talk about living generously is this idea of having gratitude and walking in gratitude. And no matter where I find myself in life, there is always something I can be grateful for. And so if I have a grateful heart and if I approach the world that way, it's much easier for me to start thinking generously about other people. And then, as we said, um, just starting small, you know, it doesn't have to be huge. It can start small in the places that you already go and the people that you already see. Just kind of opening yourself up. I'm going to walk into my daughter's school, you know, to pick her up today at 250. 
how, you know, it's just a, a two second prayer as I'm walking into the school, Lord, give me eyes to see if somebody here, you know, needs a kind word or an encouragement or something. I mean, it can be as simple as that. I think it's just raising our own awareness. Mm-hmm. One note on that before you shared, Julie, I saw you were about to talk. Sorry. Um, there, I don't know if you're as kids at, at their high school, there's these here, they have these, um, they're painting on the sidewalk outside the high school phone down eyes up. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. And I think it's just a good reminder to them as they're walking into school, like put your phone down and put your eyes up, raise your eyes. Like that just reminded me of that, that like raising your vision, looking up. I mean, sometimes that's kind of all we have to do is just, and, and often it literally does include probably putting your phone down, (laughs) but yeah. You know, I would, um, so being on adventure with God is, I, this is going to, I don't know. It is the best thing I have ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's the most fun. It's been the most fulfilling. So just start with a little prayer in the shower in the morning, like, Lord, use me. Mm-hmm. And then just be open to what that might look like. Um, or as you're dry shampooing, right? <laughs> yes. Or as you are applying your eyeliner. Lord, use me today. Um, and, and look for little things because I think that's what hooks, I think that's what hangs us up is feeling overwhelmed and feeling like we have to do something big. Do something little mm-hmm. and just watch that mm-hmm. snowball. Um, Cause it does, it snowballs into mm-hmm. bigger things, but God starts with us very frequently just in the little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Use me and keep my eyes off myself <laughs> in the, in the midst of it, you know? Right. right. Well, and when you are, when you're taking care of others, it doesn't, you just, um, it pulls you off of yourself. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. That's the, that's the beauty of it is that we rescue ourselves mm-hmm. somehow as we pour out into the lives of others, because it just broadens our perspective. We can't help it. We yeah. ourselves get rescued as yeah. we are. I heard um, on a, a podcast that I listened to uh, by Ali Stuckey that um, one of the reasons that Christian, you know, even, even some in Christian circles will justify or, or make a case for self-love is the, the um, commandment you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And they will use that to say, you know, like it's saying you love yourself. So we should love our neighbors, but we should also love ourselves. And she made a really good point that it, the command is to love others because the default is that we love ourselves. Yes. You don't have to command. God didn't need to command us to love ourselves because we just do, you know, like that unfortunately is our default. We will love ourselves. And and it's so we don't need help in that area. You know, I mean, we might need help with boundaries or, or, you know, establishing some good ha- healthy habits, but we don't need help to love ourselves. I certainly don't. I love myself so easily. And so by default that I, I have to, the command has to be to love God and to love others as I love myself to show me like, that's the kind of love I should be giving to others. Not, not a second rate or yeah, but I come first or yeah, but I'm gonna put myself first. Um, or, you know, anyways, I just really liked that example that the command is not to love yourself. Right. 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 Anybody who's the mother of a toddler knows how much we can love ourselves, right? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) true life. Um, well, you guys, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing what you guys have learned through your own, you know, your own trials and challenges and experiences. I think it's really valuable, um, that, you know, the story that you guys have all lived out 
is blessing so many people through you sharing it and, um, and just kind of sharing how you are living generously. I think it's going to inspire and also, um, give people a lot of peace at the same time that it doesn't have to be this big to do. It doesn't have to be a guilt or shame, or we don't have to be driven by that, but we can be driven really out of love for God. So thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you for having us. And, um, can you just remind people if they don't already follow you where they can find you online? Yes. So we have a website and it's theruthexperience.com or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Those are our two favorite social medias. We are always posting ideas and tips and just funny stories. So find us there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, thank you for listening to this conversation with the Ruth experience. Because of the length of uh, three ladies sharing their answers to my questions of their favorite life hack, how do they rest and what do they do for fun? I decided to um, trim those off of this main episode and those are going to be available to Patreon listeners inside the Patreon membership community. So if you want to get access to those answers, as well as the trainings that I do each month on Patreon, you can join us at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. Next week, I have a special episode coming to you. It's going to be a solo episode. And we're going to be talking about something that I have talked about on Instagram several times now that always just gets a lot of feedback and reactions from you guys. Um, and that is the topic of influence in this uh, in this day and age and the authority of scripture. Who gets to say who we are? So get excited for that. And don't forget to come back next week on Monday. Have an awesome week, guys.